I'd like to welcome you back to the Q&A with Dr. J, and I'm your personal relationship expert. Remember, I'm here to help you with those questions and issues with everything you want to know about relationships, but we're afraid to ask. And thanks again for having uh, me in your uh, radio um, living room. Uh, As always, um, I just am very appreciative of your emails, your questions, and your comments about um, some of our discussions that we've been having for the past couple of months in our series. Um, Don't forget, my email address is drj at themike44.com. Well, I'm going to get right in because uh, last uh, series we began to talk about moving into relationship in a more serious manner. A lot of calls have come in about dating significant others, and particularly in the area of sexuality or sex and intimacy. And so um, I thought that I'd start a three to four uh, part series on how to talk about and communicate about sex with your significant other or partner or spouse. Um, So first I thought, you know, let's just talk about sex for a little bit. I think in our society, uh, particularly in the United States as a country, um, we are very shy about talking uh, about sex with our family members. Um, I know in third world countries, um, their sex education and sexual communication in families is really quite open. Uh, But in the United States, for some reason, we are a little shyer about having um, a discussion about our physiological, biological, spiritual, and emotional sexual needs. That's begun to open up a little bit in the last 20 years with sex education um, in the classroom. But even then, parents are very guarded and uh, very nervous about um, their adolescents, teenagers, learning about their body. And I have counseled for the past 25 years many adults as as both a regular therapist, psychotherapist, and a sexually trained psychotherapist. I find that even adults, um, whether, you know, no matter what their preference happens to be, are real careful and shy about letting their partner know what some of their sexual desires are and some of their sexual fantasies and really kind of what turns them on. So the first thing I think that we need to do is just define sex and sex is, you know, um, uh, a physiological It's a biological thing that, you know, the Creator gave us. Um, It's our hormones. It's part of us. For the moment that we enter puberty, and that usually happens around between 10 and 12, uh, and then it emerges very seriously in adolescence, our body changes its hormonal um, makeup, and it begins to Uh, let us know physically and sexually and psychologically that we're having some attraction to the opposite sex in a way that we're having a physiological response. And some of that physiological response is just a physical attraction uh, that you look at someone and uh, your heart kind of skips a little beat, your hands warm, you kind of get sweaty, uh, you kind of think about that they look kind of cute or hot. Uh, People have all kinds of languages to describe that. Uh, Some people call it the butterfly. 
they get butterflies in their stomach. Um, some people, um, uh, depending on their gender, they start having a physiological reaction. Um, the, uh, you know, they, they start um, having, um, if they're male uh, or even um, non-male, uh, they begin to have some sort of erection. Uh, in the clitoris for women and in the penile area for men or uh, young adolescents. And so they get a little nervous about that. And they, you know, teenagers will go to their parents and say, hey, or and the parents will say, hey, don't talk about that. You know, you're too early. You can't talk about sex. So you shouldn't be thinking about sex. Only because they just feel uncomfortable with it. What they're really trying to say is, you know, I'm real there's so many diseases out here. There's STDs. Uh, you could get somebody pregnant if it's a boy. If it's a girl, you don't want to be promiscuous. And so just all kinds of stuff come up. But remember, most of us are operating from a position of how our own sexual experience and our own sexual education or lack of. So my first invitation to you is to go take a sex education class or go online and and take a, a class online, get some definitions about sexuality. Um, be able, if you have children and teenagers, to talk to them age appropriately about their physiological and hormonal reactions to sex and kind of normalize it. And then moving into adult uh, consenting uh, relationships, and particularly marriage and or um, lovers, um, significant others. Um, and no matter what your preference is, whether we're talking about same sex and or heterosexual relationships as adults, you still need to be able to define what your sexual desires are. And what I mean by that is, first of all, Talk about what are the things that give you a warm fuzzy. I like to call it a warm fuzzy. What are things that make you feel really uh, warm on the inside and uh, sensuous and uh, the feeling that you want to be intimate with someone? And you need to be able to articulate that. And if you're not aware of your own sexual needs and desires, then you can't do that. So I'd first ask you to kind of explore and see if you can get in touch with the things that turn you on. Some people like to kiss. Some people hate kissing. Some people like to French kiss. Some people think that's horrible. Some people like to hold hands and they like romance and they like massages. I mean, there are tons of things that we could talk about that that turn an individual sort of, if you will, if you'll excuse this kind of non-professional language, kind of turns you on. Uh, but you need to find out what that is. And more importantly, you need to be able to communicate that very clearly and comfortably with the uh, your significant other. Uh, you can't be shy about it. And, you know, I think it's private, but at the same time, you need to pick an opportunity of where and how you share what some of your sexual needs are. I think what happens is that people become so defensive and they are very aggressive about how they tell somebody. I mean, whether you're male or female. If you approach a man, you say, you know, you're not making it happen for me. You know, you're telling your husband, like, look, hey, we need to talk. I'm not reaching my a climax or an orgasm. Then you can make a person defensive and they'll shut down. And they, because remember, sexual, sexuality or, and sexual uh, satisfaction is probably 20% physiological or biological 
and 80% psychological. So if you make a, a person feel intimidated or defensive about how they're satisfying you or not satisfying you, you won't invite them into a very comfortable sexual experience. Uh, they'll feel very nervous and anxious and therefore will question their own sexuality or their desire or ability to please you. But you know what? You know, if you find a little comfortable place, go for a walk, hold hands, uh, have a dinner, uh, have make sure that it's private, that kids are not running in and out or that you're not at a party or you're not having a whole lot of folk around you. And then just sit and say, you know, these are some things that I found out about myself that really make me feel like I want to share all of me with you, that I want to be intimate, mind, body, and soul. And that, because remember also, we talked about this last uh, session, 80% about who we are sexual is not penetration-based, and it's not orgasm-based. That's 20% about sex. The other 80% is communication, uh, uh, holding hands, and being romantic. Uh, those are the kind, leaving love notes. I mean, there are a hundred ways, and I'll talk about that next next session. A hundred ways to say you love you or to have sex with somebody without having penetration. And I think that in our society, we just think that, oh, okay, here we go. It's on. You know, we kiss somebody or touch them once, and then we're ready to have uh, intercourse. And then you... It's like, well, some people say, I could have had a V8. I'm not a comedian, but I heard that once. Like, well, I could have had a V8. And then what happens is that people internalize that. Women sometimes will fake having an orgasm, and then they that builds up, and then it turns into a very major resentment in the relationship. Uh, I think both men and women should show up willing to talk about what some of their sexual turn-ons and fantasies are and uh, then be clear if that other person is with you on that. And it does it's not a deal-breaker for the relationship. It's just that if you like to watch soft porn and somebody else doesn't uh, and you don't communicate that to see if they would be open to that, then you're going to shut down sexually and that other person's not going to know what some of your desires are. The most important thing is to be able to negotiate and mediate. You know, maybe they might say, well, you know, I don't like soft porn, but I'm willing to do B. There'd be some sort of compromise. Um, the other thing that I think is very important is um, being able to listen to the other person and watch your body language. Because remember, so much of what we do is nonverbal. So that if I'm telling you um, that um, I really have a preference for oral sex and you frown all up, then I feel like that I've said something to you that's really horrible and that somehow I'll internalize my desires or shame and guilt. Um, again, you know, sexual um, intimacy is a very private uh, conversation that one should have one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, with their significant other and and be willing to say to set a boundary too I mean if your partner shows up and says you know what gee I'd like to do A or B and if that's something that you really feel uncomfortable with then be able to say you know that's just something that I'm not able to do I mean I really still love you and care about you uh, but we need to explore some other options because I'm not willing to participate in that Always be willing to set a sexual boundary for yourself. Uh, otherwise, you will internalize a sense of a resentment, shame, guilt, anger, and it can be 
it can break the relationship. Because remember, people can have sexual fantasies and they don't have to act them out. So it's okay for you to say, oh, I really like to do this, but I don't want to act it out. It's just something that I fantasize in my head. Um, anyway, I, I hope I've sort of given you a definition uh, and some invitations of how you can begin to explore your own sexuality and most importantly, how you can share that with your significant others and how you can show up and have conversation about sex and not be too intimidated. I have some questions about sexuality that I like to transition into now. Uh, and again, I just always appreciate your um, emails and I appreciate you listening and allowing me to come into your radio living room. And um, you can hit me up at uh, mike 44com The first question that I have, um, it says, when I try to express my preference or my desires uh, to my mate, I find that uh, they usually get very defensive about it and they say, you know, I really don't want to talk about sex. I know what I'm doing. I really don't want to talk about it. Well, first of all, I think uh, here are some tips that I think would uh, help you respond to that. I think you need to be really careful about a couple of things. First of all, time and place. Create an environment that's very comfortable to have a sexual conversation. Make sure no other person is around. Make sure it's kind of romantic. And don't dump the responsibility on your sexual satisfaction on your partner. Just say, you know, I'm going to have a conversation about some things that I know about me that I haven't shared with you that really is a turn on for you, me. Now what you're doing is you're showing up to that person saying, this is what I like to do. You're not saying, you're not doing this for me, so therefore... You're not making it happen for me. Remember, your sexual uh, orgasm or your sexual satisfaction is your responsibility. So it's up to you to share that with the other person, but not in a, in a very defiant or threatening way. Just own responsibility for it. You know, I've been exploring myself, and I find that I really like to kiss, and I really like it when somebody kisses me on my neck or holds my hand. And I really get turned on if I take a shower with somebody or whatever it happens to be. To be able to say it and you own it, as opposed to giving it to the other person saying, you're not doing this for me. Plan a dinner or something romantic and uh, play a little game and say, you know what? I put all these questions about sex, how to have great sex in this little bowl and we're going to pick them out and we're going to open them up. And uh, the one person that opens it gets to read it. The other person gets to respond. And or there are other kind of little games that you can uh, that are icebreakers that make you give you comfortability about talking about sex, sexual preferences or things that turn you on just by writing some things about yourself that turn you on, put them in a bowl, shake them up, have the person pick them up and just say, read it out loud and then give their comment about it. And that way you have anonymity. The other person could have wrote it or you could have wrote it, you know, so. There are ways to, I think we have to be really careful because somehow in, 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 in American society, in Western society, we've really taken sexuality and somehow made it a part of our ego. And what that does is that it, it can be an ego breaker, an emotional breaker. It can psychologically be injurious to someone. For an example, if you meet someone and they have ED, erectile dysfunction, say, you meet a man and he... 
Uh, he says, well, you know, I have, I suffer from ED, erectile dis- dysfunction. Then you have to be able to show up and the comfortability to say, hey, well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about some options. And one of the things that I would give you an invitation to do is go to a sex therapy counseling because there are even people who are um, paraplegic, who have been in accidents, who have a very comfortable, very healthy sexual relationship with their partner. And we do that by sitting down, individualizing what your own sexual capability and your own sexual um, needs are. And we teach people, we reteach them how to do other way, other things that will give their partner pleasure. So don't, uh, don't be afraid to go to a sex, uh, registered sex therapist. And you can find those by calling any 1-800 uh, numbers uh, where they have psychotherapists for referrals and or you can go online and and go go type in uh, need a, a psychotherapist or a therapist or coach who is certified um, sex therapist and you'll get a list of their locations telephone numbers never ever be afraid to go to a professional remember we're trained to to give you these invitations and teach you some tools and skills that would enhance your sexual um, life and enhance your overall relationship. I hope I answered your question. Uh, I I have another tip for you, and that is, um, you know, make sex stress-free and make it fun. You know, don't always say, okay, we're going to bed and we're going to have sex. I mean, that's just like a really setup. Then the bedroom and the bed becomes like a war zone for somebody who's like, I don't know, but I'm, you know, I have to look at myself and see if I'm going to perform right in this room. Just have some fun. Let it be natural. Remember, 80% of what we do is non-penetration. So everything else that you're doing is all about sex, believe it or not, and romance. You can say, oh, let's cook dinner for each other. Oh, let's feed each other. Oh, let's go for a walk. Or let's go skinny dipping. Or let's go swimming. Uh, all I'm telling you that it doesn't have to happen in the bedroom. And you don't have to get, make the other person feel nervous. Having sex is non-penetration for the 80% of the time. And that's like everything else you do. Everything else you're communicating to that person about how you're attracted to them or about how you're turned on about them or how you're interested in them and how you really adore them, male or female, that is really what makes a person feel comfortable enough about sharing their body with you and having sex with you. So take the stress off of the act of having an orgasm and just have some fun with someone and see what happens. Uh, And I'm sure that um, what would happen is a very natural, comfortable sharing of of yourself. I have another question here uh, from someone that wrote in last time we were talking about how to find a mate or how to be pleasing or how to be romantic because that was our last series. And romance is a part of sex. And it's just simply, my libido is low, Uh, I'm a female, and uh, I'm becoming very, very disinterested in sex. Help. 
Well, that that's really kind of common, um, particularly if you've been married. They call it the seven-year itch. <laughs> you've been with somebody five a long term, and I have no idea how long you've been with your significant other, your spouse, or your mate. You didn't indicate that in the email. However, what I do know is that sometimes, whether it's longevity or non, some people, because they are afraid to share and talk about their sexuality, uh, for whatever reason, um, some people are even born with a low libido, a sexual drive, that is. The first thing I recommend is have a, a, a medical checkup. I always like to do a rule out to my listeners. Go have a physic, physical exam because there are many, many diseases that can uh, make your libido be diminished. One is diabetes, and you could be undiagnosed diabetic. Hypertension medication can also lessen your libido. Um, there are just, I mean, there are tons of physiological, hormonal imbalance. I don't want to go through all the medical, I'm not a medical doctor, I'm a PhD LCSW. However, I think if you go to your doctor and you show up and, you, and you're honest and open, they can evaluate you and, and do a, what we call a rule out, give you tests and then give you some recommendation for how you, if you're on medication and the medication, uh, one of the side effects could be that it's diminishing your libido. They'll kind of adjust your medication for the days that you want to have sex. Don't take yourself on, off a of medication if you're on medication because you're thinking it, you think that it's affecting your ability to sexually please your partner. Please, 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 too many people who are hypertensive and diabetic have taken themselves off medication, had sex, and then unfortunately had a stroke or some really catastrophic illnesses. So I'm telling you the first thing is go to your medical doctor, be open, don't be shy, write down exactly uh, what you want to say to your doctor, and remember your doctor is your confidant. You know, and so have a conversation, be have a medical checkup and do a medical rule out. Second is being willing if you get a medical rule out and everything's okay with you, remember what I told you, eighty percent sex is psychological. Uh what you may want to do then is uh communicate to your partner that your libido is low, that somehow you're not feeling like having sex. Uh, and you want to talk about it. And then maybe you guys can actually explore some other um, options for having intimacy. Now, if it's non-medically based and you've had a rule out, I'd also give you an invitation to go see a sex therapist because it could be that maybe something is blocking in your childhood that happened that is affecting your libido. For an example... If you've ever uh, been sexually uh, molested uh, as a child or a teenager, um, if you've ever been raped, male or female, and trust me, there are just many men and women and boys and girls who've been sexually molested and violated, um, those are things that if they are untreated uh, can cause you to have a lot of shame and toxic energy around sexual intercourse. So I would say... If you get a medical approval and you're still having a low libido, then go see if it's something psychological. And then the third, being able to talk to your partner about maybe that that person is not um, satisfying your needs. I get a lot of, uh, I got on the same email the fact that this particular uh, female 
um, was not able to get a vaginal orgasm. And I, I got to tell you, uh, out there in listening land, um, 50% of women uh, cannot get an internal or a vaginal orgasm. Uh, many times they only can get an external orgasm around the, the clitoris. And um, so I, I, I guarantee that you guys need to have a conversation really about sex. Go to a sex therapist. There are a lot of things that you don't know about your body, male and females. And because we don't talk about it in our families, we don't talk about it in our educational system, we don't talk about it with our friends, you know, uh, we don't know about our bodies. Go to somebody who's, who knows about, who's a specialist, and find out what's going on with your body. Once you find out what turns you on, you're going to have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful sex life. So stop stressing. Go seek some help. And um, I'm wishing you happy orgasms. Uh, another question is... Um, uh, I already dealt with that one. I, I got another email that says I'm unable to have a vaginal orgasm help. And again, I just uh, kind of talked about that with the last question. Have a medical eval, being able to communicate with a sexual therapist. Um, make sure that you're not having any old childhood trauma. And of course, being just able to discuss this with uh, your partner. Um Another question came in, and this was the last one as we're beginning to kind of wind down, is I can't communicate my feelings with my mate about my sexuality or my sexual preferences. And do you have any tips? Well, this is kind of a common one. Again, I'm going back, and I probably sound like a broken record on this particular uh, issue. But remember, we mostly learn sex about uh, not through a real educated uh, perspective. We don't learn it from our parents because they don't want to talk to us about it. Um, uh, so we, we learn it through experience and some of us have limited experience. So it's like if no one taught you how to fish or how to drive, can you imagine just like getting in a car? We probably all run into each other. Um, so you do need a guide on this. Um, and I think what you're also talking about out there in listening land is not just sexual communication. I kind of heard in your question that you're saying I'm shy and I really don't know how to communicate my feelings and my thoughts about myself and my body and my mind. And I find that the, there, there are a couple of tips to uh, being able to be a really good communicator um, with your partner or even at work or with your friends. And one is just building your confidence, your level of confidence to share your feelings. And you can do that. I mean, a lot of people go join Toastmaster just so they can learn to talk in front of other people. It gives you a place to kind of uh, use as role models other people, and it gives you a place to practice getting up to speak in front of people that you feel safe around. So I love recommending Toastmasters to people because it really helps them become articulate and helps them get over the fear of sharing and feeling comfortable. Uh, another thing is go, just go look in the mirror and look at your body language and say, you know, talk to yourself for a little bit and practice, you know, rehearsing something. Get a piece of paper or get something out of a book and read it and see what, how you're communicating and look at your body language. Um, eye contact is really another very important way to make people know that you're communicating and that you're listening to them. 
Another thing is I would also recommend a speech therapist. If you stutter or you really have an articulation problem verbally, uh, a couple of sessions with a good speech therapist, and you can find those locally in the yellow pages or online, can help you learn how to breathe and how to communicate and give you a little practice and a guide. The, um, the fourth thing that I'd recommend is just learning to relax and get books um, and just having your friends let you read out loud to them and that gives you a chance to practice your verbal skills. Um, another tip for being a good communicator is really being, being a good listener. And I think we talked about that in one of my past shows, Active Listening. Um, giving people eye contact and listening to what your mate is saying to you is very, very, very important. Um, if you're a good listener and not a judger, you'll be surprised about how much intimacy you'll have with your mate. Most people, what they do is they listen to their mate or their spouse or their lover, and they listen with, oh, this is what I'm going to say next. But why don't you just listen to somebody and see what they're really saying and, and just show up and get them saying whatever they're saying instead of trying to think of what you're going to say. And then feel what they're saying, think about what they're saying, and then get in touch with what your response is. So that's being a real good listen, uh, listener, a real good communicator. Um, don't assume what your mate thinks about something. Don't even care about what they think. Just share your feelings. Stay in touch with what's going on with you. And... Um, Hopefully, that will bring you, as a good communicator and a good listener, and the willingness to really share your feelings with the person that you really care about, hopefully that will invite you to having even greater sex. So, keep those emails coming. I think I'm kind of going to wind down. I think the, uh, the last thing I have to say to that also is knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. And what I mean by that is that if you really want to communicate to somebody is go research what you are really trying to say and do some reading about it or go online and get some information and then kind of see how you want to say it. But be an informed communicator. Uh, otherwise, sometimes you will come across like really not knowing what you're talking about and then you'll feel, start feeling inadequate and then you'll get defensive. That's when we become defensive, when, we, when we're feeling shame, guilt, or some sort of toxicity, or less than feeling. Then what we do is we go for the juggler vein. We just start verbally fighting with people as opposed to having, inviting them into an intimate conversation. So communication can be the doorway to great sex. And as always, I wind down saying that if you're a teenager or a younger person listening to me talk about uh, having great sex, I'm not talking to you. Uh, I do want you to be able to ask right questions to your parents or adults about your sexuality and about what you're feeling, but I'm not encouraging under 18 uh, non-consental sex. But I am encouraging you young people to know about your body, to know about uh, that uh, when you reach puberty that you are going to have sexual feelings you are going to feel aroused 
don't feel nervous about it. Have a conversation with the adults that are around you that are your, that, that love you or that you're a caretaker and be open about it and don't be ashamed of your body and don't be ashamed of talking to other people about having sex. But there are many, 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 many SDTs as you know out here. And more importantly, you when you're a teenager or a youngster, you are not ready to have the responsibility to have sex with someone because that comes with a whole nother level of commitment that I don't think you're ready for. So I really have to say that out loud. Uh, sorry about that. Um, I'm just not into young people having sex because I think it gets you really confused because you're looking for love and sex is not love. Love, if you're in love with somebody, you can have great sex. But if you're just having sex with somebody, it doesn't mean they love you. And um, anyway, so I wanted to kind of say that and then for you adults who are out there, um, enjoy sex. Take care and uh, thanks again for letting me into your radio living room. And I look forward to continuing this series. So email me at um, Dr. J at the mic mic44.com thank you again hasta la vista until we meet again and always remember to love simply love generously love unconditionally care deeply speak kindly and leave the rest to God Amen.